Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath Services from rain-soaked Central California. Now, here we are coming close to the Passover time. So today we're going to answer the question, why does the church keep the Passover on the 14th, but the Jews keep it on the 15th? And what are they missing? Okay. Now, we know in Leviticus 23, it says clearly, the Passover is on the 14th day of the first month between the two evenings. Now, between the two evenings, as we covered from Exodus 16, is from sunset unto dark. And that's when they were to kill and to roast. And they were not to boil at all any of the flesh in water. So the 14th is a separate day as it begins between the two evenings. Now we are going to see the description of this. Come over here to Exodus 12 and verse 26. So we can see there is something we need to compare to it to find out what's going on. So for the Passover service itself, here's the way that God told them to tell their children. Verse 24, And you shall observe this thing as a law to you and to your children forever. And it shall be when you have come into the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised you, shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what does this service mean to you? Then you shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. Now notice, it doesn't say offering. It's a sacrifice who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then it says, Israel went and did what they should do. Then we also learned this. Here's what God told them that they needed to do that night All that night, everything was to be finished between between the two evenings and sunrise. They were to eat the roasted flesh. It was roasted with fire and not boiled at all with water. Now, I'm emphasizing that because of what are called Passover offerings versus Passover sacrifice. Okay? So they were told in verse 22 that 
They were to put the blood on the upper doorpost, on the side doorpost, the lentil, upper, and no one was to go out of the door of the house until sunrise. Bokur. Now that's important. So after that happened, then they began to gather at Ramses. All right? And here's where we have the two-day sequence, the 14th, and then the beginning of the 15th. Just like we had with the covenant promise and sacrifice between Abraham and God in Genesis 15. was a two-day sequence. So here we have the same thing. Children of Israel got the spoil from the Egyptians and all gathered at Ramses to leave. And they left the next night. Okay? Keep that in mind. So we'll read it right here. In verse 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel was 430 years. We've got a chart on that, what that means. And the difference between the 400 and the 430, you can look it up online. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, it was even on the very same day, all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Notice verse 42. It is a night to be much observed to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. Now, remember the instruction concerning the Passover. Stay in the house until sunrise. So this is their exiting, not God's passing over. This is the night of the Lord to be observed by all the children of Israel in their generations. Okay? Then he gave instructions concerning the Passover. All right? Now, here they are, all gathered there at Ramses, and ready to go at sunset as the 14th day, the Passover day, was ending, and the 15th day, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, was beginning. Now, let's come back here to Exodus 12, and let's make sure that we understand this. Exodus 12. Let's concerning the Feast of Unleavened Bread, verse 17. You shall keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for in this very same day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall keep this day in your generation forever. In the first month, in the 14th day of the month at sunset. Now, this is Ba'erev, and that means this ends the 14th. Which, when the 14th ends, 
what begins? The 15th. Okay. You shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at sunset, ending the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay? Now, that's important. Seven days there shall be no leavened bread found in your houses, for whoever eats that which is leavened, even that one shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or one born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened, In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. So that's the command for the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay? Now, there is another ceremony that was to take place on the day portion of the 14th. And this is important to understand because that will help you realize what is occurring with Deuteronomy 16 and 2 Chronicles 35. Okay? Now let's pick it up here. The last verse of chapter 12. And it came to pass the very same day when the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now listen carefully to what this is. Now remember, on the night of the 14th, all the firstborn of man and beast of the children of Israel were spared death. Now, let's read what God says about that. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt. He's telling them, get ready for the night and remember this day. Okay. Out of the house of bondage, for the Lord brought you out from this place by the strength of his hand. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Okay. On this day, you are going out in the month of Abib. And they started going out just as the sun was setting. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he has sworn to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey that you keep this service in this month. So listen carefully what they were to do. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days, and in the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall be no leavened bread seen with you, nor shall there be leaven seen with you in all your borders. So what they did, they would collect all the leaven. We'll see that they did that even before the Passover day when we get to the New Testament to understand that. Because you see, one of the most important things that we have 
is the Sabbath and unleavened bread. And Passover pictures the covenant of eternal life through Jesus Christ for all of us. Now, we won't see that. Okay? And it's important that we understand all of these details and what was actually going on. So let's continue here. Verse 9. And it shall be a sign upon your hand and a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. That's the whole meaning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You do everything God's way. You don't bring in your own ideas. You don't bring in your own practices. You don't worship other gods. No. That you understand the law of God. Now, where do we find a similar quotation of that in the New Testament? Well, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, talks about the body that God prepared for Jesus. And that by one offering of Jesus and his shed blood, there's forgiveness of sin. And so that God will not remember our sins in lawlessness anymore, but that the laws of God and his commandments Verse 16, Hebrews 10, will be written in our hearts and in our minds. That's the whole purpose of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And he wants it to be simple to understand. And that's why it is unleavenedness versus leavenness. Because you don't realize how easy sin comes in. So we'll talk about that more when we get toward the feast. Now, verse 10. You shall therefore keep this law in its season from year to year. Now, what is the law that he is going to give? He already gave the law concerning the Passover. This is not talking about the Passover ceremony to be observed at the beginning of the 14th, in the night of the 14th. He's talking about the preparation that they were doing on the day portion of the 14th, assembling in Ramses to leave. Okay, so let's read it. It shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaan. Okay. So this was not to start until they got into the land of Canaan. As he has sworn to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you. You shall set apart for the Lord all that opens the womb. Now this is the law of the firstborn. Now the firstborn is very, very special. And Jesus was the firstborn of God the Father through Mary when he was born in the flesh. 
And when he was raised from the dead, he was the firstborn from the dead, right? Yes. Okay. No. Firstborn, very important. Now, understand this, little sidebar. Is it not true that the greatest majority of abortions that have taken place in America are the abortion of what would have been the firstborn? So you see, the great sin and the great penalties that are coming, we're experiencing them now because the firstborn is special to God, to the father, to the mother. And God must be honored because every life that is born is a creation of God. He says so many times in the prophets that I have formed you in the womb. And that is through the process of procreation. Okay? So let's read this now. Verse 12. You shall set apart all that opens the womb and every firstborn that comes of any animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. They belong to God. And should be, and this is here, all the males. Now, there are times that the firstborn is female. So just a little sidebar. That firstborn, a female, of the animals and so forth, was to be used for festivals in honoring God. Okay. Now, verse 13, back here to Exodus 13. And every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Now, how important is that? Okay. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now, how did they redeem them? With the offering of a lamb or the offering of a calf? Okay? So let's read on. And it shall be when your son asks you in the time to come, saying, what does this mean? Now, that's different from what the Passover means, right? So listen carefully. You shall say to him, The Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand from the house of bondage. Okay? So that's what this day pictures. But the preparation for the leaving of it, we will see when we get to Deuteronomy 16, involved a lot of offerings. Okay. Verse 15, 
And it came to pass when Pharaoh hardly would hardly let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both of man and of firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that opens the womb that are males. They were taken directly to the priest or the Levites. And they were to offer them. Okay. But all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So what day would be the day to redeem with a sacrifice a firstborn son? Okay. Now remember. Remember the situation with Hannah and Hilkiah? Hannah didn't have any children, and she dedicated her child to God if God would give her a child, and that's how Samuel was born. And she took care of him and nursed him, and when nursing was done, which is generally three years old, she took him and gave him to Eli the priest to be his assistant. Dedicated to life, to God. Okay, so that's how important the firstborn is. You redeem them. And it shall be for a token upon your hand and for the frontlets between your eyes. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt by the strength of his hand. That's what it's all about. He spared the firstborn on the Passover day. But at night, when they had the Passover service, But on the day portion, now you thank God as the living firstborn that you weren't killed. See? You and the animals. All right. How did the Jews come to have a 15th Passover? Or... How come the Feast of Unleavened Bread is called Passover? All right. Numbers, the ninth chapter. The tabernacle was dedicated on the first day of the first month of the second year. They were out in Sinai. And then the first chapters of the book of Numbers shows what they did, the offerings that each tribe would bring, and it was an identical offering to give to the priesthood. Then they counted all the Levites. Then they counted all the firstborn. And the difference between the two, they had special offerings for. All right? Now, let's come to Numbers 9, because all of that was taken care of before the Passover in the first month of the second year. All right? So let's see what they did. 
Now think of this. With the tabernacle there, sacrificial system already set up, the altar made, the Holy of Holies, everything, everything was done. Now, if God wanted the Passover sacrificed lamb to be offered at the temple or tabernacle, they had the tabernacle. But they didn't do it. Even when the tabernacle was set up, they still kept it according to the instructions of Exodus 12. So let's read it. Numbers 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year that they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also Keep the Passover at its appointed time. What is the appointed time? Between the two evenings and that night. Correct? That's the appointed time, right? Yes. In the 14th day of this month, between the two evenings, you shall keep it in its appointed time. You shall keep it according to all the statutes and according to all the ceremonies of it. Nothing to say it was done at the tabernacle. So later on, when they had the Passover at the temple, it wasn't really the Passover that should have been kept in the individual homes or when they were in the wilderness at their tents the way that God said. The 14th Passover, as it was given, was never meant to be a daytime ceremony. However, however, let's understand something else here too. So they kept it between the two evenings, verse 5 in the wilderness, so forth. Then there were certain men. They couldn't keep the Passover. They couldn't offer that Passover because they were unclean. Okay? So, then God gave what they should do. Verse 8, And Moses said to them, Wait here, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your generation shall be unclean because of a dead body or in a journey far off. Now, note that afar off. That becomes important because it means this. If they are outside of the geographical area of Israel, they couldn't keep a 14th Passover. See? But they could keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. All right? However, verse 11, and this means when they get back into the land or they're clean, they shall keep it in the 14th day of the second month between the two evenings, eating it with 
unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Okay. And they shall leave none of it until morning, nor break any bone of it according to all the ordinance of the Passover, they shall keep it. Okay. Now then, notice this. The next verse. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey or in another country and holds back from keeping the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people. Meaning God's blessing upon that person will be removed. Cut off. Because he did not bring the offering of the Lord in its appointed time, that man shall bear his sin. Then he says, verse 14, reiterates again, And if a stranger shall live among you and will keep the Passover to the Lord, he shall do according to the law of the Passover and according to the ordinances, and you shall have one law, both for the stranger and for him that is born in the land. Let's come to Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16 becomes very important. This is where the Jews say that they keep the Passover beginning on the 15th day of the month. Okay? And they call the whole thing the Passover. So notice, and this was a very key thing when I was researching on how to answer Graby and Kuhn in this paper. So you can get this paper, it's online, download it and read it. Very important, because this is where they, they started to subvert the church of God. And where did they strike? Right at the Passover. Now then, let's read it. Chapter 16, Deuteronomy, verse 1. Keep the month of Abib. Now that's another name for Nisan. And observe the Passover to the Lord your God. Okay? He doesn't have to repeat all the same instructions here because those are there and should be kept. Starting between the two evenings as the 14th day was beginning. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you forth out of the land of Egypt by night. The second night, right? Isn't that when that took place? So right here in verse 1, there are two distinct things. All right? And you shall therefore sacrifice the Passover offering. Now notice, it's not called the Passover offering in Exodus 12. It's called the sacrifice of the Passover to be kept and observed in the home. Okay? So a Passover offering, what does a Passover offering mean? 
Does this mean they were keeping the Passover? Let's read it. And we will understand the true meaning of this. Okay. You shall sacrifice the Passover offering to the Lord your God. Now notice carefully the next phrase. Of the flock and of the herd. Now, when you read Exodus 12, the instructions are from the flock, a lamb, or a kid goat. Nothing to do with the herd. There is nothing in the Bible which says you keep the Passover with a Passover calf. Now, compare the size of a little lamb or a little kid goat and think about this. They were to eat the whole thing and leave nothing till morning and to burn anything that was left, which would be the skin, the guts, the bones, everything else, right? That's what everyone was told to do. Now, if they were to offer a calf, that's probably three times as big as a little kid. They could not possibly have eaten it in that night and burned all the remaining flesh and all the bones. So what does this mean? Of the flock and herd. Keep that in mind, okay? In the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name. That is at the tabernacle or the temple, not in the home. So what are we talking about here? Okay. We'll see it. Now notice. And you shall eat unleavened bread with it. Seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. That's the feast of unleavened bread, correct? Okay. What was the preparation for the feast of unleavened bread when they were to come into the land? Okay. Let's come back to Exodus 13. We'll read it again, because this is the key. Originally, all these Passover offerings okay, were the redemption of the firstborn of man and of beast. And in a large population, you're going to have a lot of sacrifices, right? Okay. So, here in chapter 13, it says, verse 11, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and to your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb. 
every firstborn that comes of any animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord. So they had to bring all of them to where? The temple, right? Now, when they were in the land and they had their priest cities and their Levitical cities, they could bring them there to the priest or to the Levites so that that would be theirs. Belongs to God. It's his. See? And all the firstborn of men shall be the Lord's. All right? The firstborn of the donkey and so forth. Okay. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So how would they redeem them? They would redeem them with a lamb, or they would redeem them with an offering. Okay? Because you don't sacrifice your own firstborn. But that's what's done today with abortion. So think about how God looks upon what's going on. Okay? Now, let's continue on, come back to Deuteronomy 16. So what we have when the temple was set up, because this was not to be done until they got into the land, correct? Okay. When they got there, then they had to redeem all the firstborn of man and of beast with many, many sacrifices on the day portion of the 15th in preparation for the night to be much observed beginning at sunset. That's what was going on. So let's read it. Verse 2 again. And you shall therefore sacrifice the Passover offering for the redemption of the firstborn, okay, to the Lord your God of the flock and of the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. And you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. The bread of affliction for you came forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, so that you may remember the day that you came forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. Now let's read on and we're going to find out something else. Verse 4, And there shall no leaven be seen with you in all your borders for seven days, nor shall any of the flesh which you sacrifice in the first day. Now, that was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. At sunset, remain all night until the morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover offering within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you. Now the Jews read that, and they say, God changed the Passover here. No. He didn't change the timing of it at all. 
they were to eat it in their homes on the night of the 14th, but the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the 15th, okay? They were to come to the temple on the day portion of the 14th. They were to have the offerings all ready to go in preparation for the night to be much observed. Now let's read on and we'll find out another very important fact. Verse 5, you may not sacrifice the Passover offering with any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, but at the place which the Lord your God shall choose to place his name in, there you shall sacrifice the Passover offering at sunset, at the going down of the sun, at the time you came out of Egypt. That's the beginning of the 15th. See? And verse 7 is the key. Because there were so many sacrifices, they couldn't put them on the altar. So they had other places where they could boil them. Now, This is where there's a mistranslation in the King James. Boil is bashal. And it doesn't mean to roast. But that's what's in the King James. The Hebrew, and I have verified this many, many times over, is boil. Now, you go back and you read, let's do that, Exodus 12. The Passover that is to be kept at home, they were to roast it with fire. And they have specific instructions. Exodus 12, verse 9. This is the Passover sacrifice. So keep that in mind. We're talking about Passover offerings or offerings made on the day portion of the Passover in preparation for the night to be much observed and in observing the redemption of the firstborn as God commanded. All right? Back here concerning the Passover 14th at home, verse 9, here's what God said. Do not eat of it raw, nor boil it at all with water. Therefore, Deuteronomy 16 cannot mean the Passover sacrifice, but it is an offering made on the Passover day after the Passover night in preparation for the night to be much observed. So let's take a break and... We'll be back in 20. Welcome back. Let's rehearse all of this. It's a little complicated, but I think we can straighten it out. And I did misspeak about when the Passover offerings of Deuteronomy 16 were given. And that is on the day portion 
of the 14th. So we have this. The Passover was to be kept in the homes. It was to be roasted with fire. It was not to be boiled at all with water. And everyone was to stay in their houses until sunrise. At midnight, God passed through and killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians, man and woman, and the firstborn of all beasts. Then, on the day portion of the 14th, children of Israel came and gathered at Ramses. And while they were gathered at Ramses, Exodus 13, God gave the instruction for the full seven days of unleavened bread, which would start at sunset as they were leaving Egypt. Then he gave the instructions what to do about the redemption of the firstborn, which is entirely different from the Passover. And he gave those instructions, and those were to be accomplished when they got into the land where the tabernacle was set up, and all of those were to be offered on the day portion of the 14th. Okay? Now, let's read it again here. And remember, Passover sacrifice was for the home. Passover offering was the redemption offerings for the firstborn of man and beast. Those were given on the day portion of the 14th in preparation for the night to be much observed, which began at sunset, and sunset began the 15th day of the first month. Okay, so let's read it here. Verse 4, Deuteronomy 16, we'll review it again. Now there shall be no leaven seen with you in all your borders seven days. You know how the Jews handle that today? They don't get rid of it. They cover it with a blanket so they can't see it. This doesn't mean to keep it and cover it so you can't see it. It means it must be removed. Okay. Nor shall any of the flesh that you sacrifice in the first day at sunset, okay, first day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, remain all night until morning. Same thing, but they had many, many, many people. They had great crowds there. You may not sacrifice the Passover offering within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you. But at the place where the Lord your God shall choose to place his name in. And there you shall sacrifice the Passover offering at sunset 
at the going down of the sun at the time that you came out of Egypt, which was what? Ending the 14th and beginning the 15th, correct? Yes. Now, verse 7 is the key. You shall boil and eat it in the place which the Lord your God shall choose. So this has to be the redemption offering for the firstborn. It cannot be the Passover taken the night of the 14th in the house. And in the morning, you shall turn and go to your tents. Then it says six days you shall eat unleavened bread. All right? That is, after this first day of unleavened bread, you have six more to go. The only place it says six days. I've got that all explained in the Passover book. Okay? And on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work. Okay? So, all of these Passover offerings were for the redemption of the firstborn and had nothing to do with the Passover to be kept in the home. Now, let's come to Mark 14. We're going to see something very interesting here. And here again, the translators of the King James Version get it all mixed up and cause a great deal of confusion. Now let's begin right here in verse 1. And you need to get the harmony of the Gospels or the day uh, Jesus the Christ died. And you can see the flow of, of events for all the time before the Passover, beginning six days before the Passover, and then leading up to the Passover. And here we have this where it says, verse 1, Mark 14. Now, after two days was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might stealthily lay hold of him and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be a riot among the people. Then he was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. And as he was sitting to eat, a woman was carrying an alabaster flask of ointment of pure spikenard worth a great price, and after breaking the alabaster flask, she poured it on his head. And then some were indignant about it, said, why didn't we sell this for 300 coins? Okay. So then Jesus said, verse 6, let her alone. Why are you causing her trouble? She has performed a good work toward me. For you have the poor with you always, and you are able to do good for them whenever you desire, but you do not always have me. 
She did what she did for me. She came to anoint my body before the burial, beforehand for burial. Verse 10, key. Then Judas Iscariot, the one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order that he might deliver him up to them. And after hearing this, they were delighted and promised to give him money, which then was 30 coins, which is a price for a dead slave. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Okay. Now, Jesus did something that was really quite important. So let's read it. We're going to discover several things right here. Now, this is a literal translation, verse 4. And on the first day of the unleavened, now, King James says, on the first day of the feast of, now, the first day of the Feast of begins when? At the end of the 14th and beginning the 15th, right? Okay. Now, notice what it says. When they were killing the Passover lambs. Now, it didn't say they were killing them at the temple because the whole area there had all of the pilgrims coming to keep the Passover. So they were keeping the 14th Passover, and the tents were all around Jerusalem. And they were keeping a 14th Passover. And it was what time? It was at the beginning of between the two evenings. The sun was just going down. And it says... And they were killing the Passover lambs. Okay? It didn't say the priest. Didn't say the Levites. Okay? So this is keeping the 14th there in Jerusalem at the beginning of the 14th. And his disciples said to him, Where do you desire that we go and prepare that you may eat the Passover. He didn't tell them. Now, why didn't he tell them? Because he didn't want Judas to know. Later, Judas came with Jesus. Okay. And he didn't want them coming to arrest him on the Passover night before the time he should be arrested. So he didn't tell them when or where until this very moment. Verse 13, And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and you'll meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Now, when you read all of these things on that Passover day, beginning right here, everything was being carried out and there were probably angels making it happen at the time it needed to be happening so that it would occur when it should. Okay? So that's some instruction. 
no one would know where that was. So there they went. It was Peter and John who went. Okay. And they followed the man. Now, what do you suppose the pitcher of water was for? What did Jesus do to the disciples that Passover night? He washed their feet. So he's bringing the water. See? And the owner of the house undoubtedly had already slain the lamb before the disciples had come. Now notice, carrying a pitcher of water, follow him, and whatever house he shall enter, say to the master of the house that the teacher says, where is the guest chamber where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Okay. Very interesting. Nobody knew. Jesus knew. And he showed him a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And his disciples went away, and when they came into the city, they found it exactly as he said to them, and they prepared the Passover. All right? Got everything all ready. Here it is, killed and already being offered between sunset and dark. So here they come in the evening. So between the two evenings, the first evening is sunset. The second evening is darkness comes upon you. And that's when Jesus came. Okay. Now, after evening had come, he came with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you shall betray me, even he who is eating with me. They didn't know. They could not, they couldn't understand about Judas. See? Now, this is an important thing to realize whenever there are subversives that come in, they may appear to be the real thing, but they're not. And Judas wasn't. But the disciples couldn't tell the difference. So that's a good lesson for all of us. Now, verse 19, they began to be extremely sad, and they said to him, one by one, is it I? And another, is it I? Okay. And he answered and said to them, the one who is dipping a morsel into the dish with me, he is the one of you 12. Okay. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it has been written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would be better that for that man if he had not been born. Okay? Now let's come to Matthew 26. Okay? Matthew 26. So here we are. 
the Passover beginning. This has to be at the end of between the two evenings and getting in to the night. So what we have after this, we'll see exactly what occurred. Okay? Now, verse 26, or chapter 26, hold Matthew 26 and come to John 13, the foot washing. Okay? Now, there are some people who believe, because there is a mistranslation in John 13, that at the end of supper, no, it was at the beginning of supper that foot washing began. Okay? So chapter 13 becomes a real key. And this was the first thing to happen because Foot washing was always done when you first came into the house. Now, Jesus then added a special ceremony for the foot washing. And we will go through chapter 13, and then we will see when Judas left. Verse 1. John 13, now before the feast of the Passover, knowing that his time had come to depart from this world to the Father, Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, that is, at the beginning, right there at the beginning of it, okay, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, that he should betray him, okay? Now, this is the only time that Judas knew where they were keeping the Passover because he came with the rest of the 12 with Jesus. Now, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and after taking a towel, he secured it around him. Next, he poured water into a washing basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he, was, which he had secured. Okay. That's probably the water that the man was carrying in to where they were going to have the Passover. Then he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And he answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you shall know after these things. And Peter said to him, You shall not wash my feet, not ever. Jesus answered him, Remember this statement, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So what's one of the first things that the Protestants have done in destroying all knowledge of the Passover and calling it the Lord's Supper? They eliminated foot washing. What does that tell you? If you eliminate it and you don't have it, you have no part with Christ. Christ. 
Now, if you have to take the Passover alone, you can't wash your own feet, but you can pray about it so that you understand it and you know that Christ will take care of it even though you can't do it at this particular time because you're by yourself. All right? Now, verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has been washed does not need to wash anything other than the feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all, for he knew who was betraying him. This was the reason he said, Not all of you are clean. Therefore, when he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? All right. Then we get this command again. First part of it is, if you don't do it, you have no part with him. All right. Now he explains a little further. Verse 13. You call me the teacher and the Lord, and you have rightly spoken because I am. Therefore, if I, the Lord, and the teacher have washed your feet, now notice, you are also duty-bound to wash one another's feet. And that means it's absolutely necessary. For I've given you an example to show you that you also should do exactly as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his Lord, nor a messenger greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So that's why we will have the foot washing. Okay. Now then, we come to the time of Judas going. And this is before the bread and before the wine. So he said, verse 18, I'm not speaking of you all, for I know whom I have chosen in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you at this time before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am. And of course, that is ego eimi, meaning I am, going clear all the way back to Exodus, the third chapter, where the Lord told Moses to tell the children of Israel that I am has sent you. Truly, truly, I tell you, the one whomever I send is receiving me. And the one who receives me is receiving him who sent me. Now that's very important. This is also important to understand. Anyone who is speaking or presenting or giving messages needs to realize, number one, you must speak the word of God truthfully. Number two, you are representing God. So it must be 
the words of God. That's what it has to be. Always. Okay? Verse 21. And as he was saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Truly, truly, I tell you, one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, wondering of whom he was speaking. Now one of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was leaning on Jesus' chest. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask who was the one whom he was speaking. Then he leaned back on Jesus' chest and he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is to the one to whom I shall give a sop after I have dipped it. And he dipped it in he dipped the sop and gave it to Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Okay? Now then, after the sop, some people say, well, you can't do a sop with unleavened bread. Well, have you ever had nachos? Have you ever had unleavened corn chips and you dip it into something to eat? And put it in your mouth? Well, of course. He took part of unleavened bread and made sure that he got a morsel with some juice and gave it to Judas Iscariot. Okay. Verse 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. And not one of those sitting at the table knew why he was he said that to him also. Now let's come to Matthew twenty six. We find where Judas be, betrayed him there again. Now let's come down here to verse twenty six. Matthew twenty six and verse twenty six. And as they were eating Jesus took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. All right? Now, that symbolism of the unleavened bread, what is another name for Jesus? He is the Word. Right? Unleavened bread pictures the body of Christ. And it pictures his sinless self, plus it also pictures that he is the bread of life, and we only have life through him and the truth and spirit of God. Okay? So he said, take, eat, this is my body. And it was beaten and scourged for the sacrifice for the sin of the world. Now, there are some people who think Jesus committed suicide. No, he didn't commit suicide. He laid his life down. He was the sacrifice. Okay? Now, verse 27 And he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, 
all of you drink of it, for this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. Okay? Then he says he's not going to eat of it again until he returns. All right? Now then, let's come to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians 11. Okay? Now they were having problems in the church at Corinth because they were wanting to have a meal with their Passover. The only reason there was a meal with the Passover with Jesus and the disciples is for this reason. Number one, Jesus had to finish the old covenant with that meal by eating of that lamb and then introduce the new emblems of the bread and the wine after the foot washing. So when we come to 1 Corinthians 11, now we see some other difficulties in understanding coming up. Okay. So he says, beginning in verse 17, which shows that the Passover must be in the night that he was betrayed. It must be with the bread and with the wine which then followed the foot washing. Foot washing was first, then the bread, the wine. Now, let's see what they were doing in Corinth. Now, on this that I'm commanding you, I do not praise you, because when you assemble together, it is not for the better, but for the worst. First of all, I hear that there are divisions among you when you are assembled together, in the church, and I partly believe it. For it is necessary that heresies be among you so that the ones who are approved may become manifest among you. Now, interesting indeed, right? One of the very tests to test whether the, the one is sent from God and teaching the word of God is if they do it God's way. See? That's what he's saying. Now notice verse 20. Therefore, when you are assembled together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And in the Greek, this is the strongest negation. It is not. You don't eat that. No. Come over here. Last verse. Verse 34, here's what he says. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home before he comes. Okay? So that there will be no cause for judgment when you are assembled together. So there is not to be a meal in conjunction 
with the Passover. Foot washing, bread, and wine. Then the reading of the scriptures. Okay. Now back here to verse 21. For in eating, everyone takes his own supper first. Now on the one hand, one goes hungry. On the other hand, another becomes drunken. So he says, what in the strongest terms? Hey, what? Don't you have houses for eating and drinking? See, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. And you eat before you come. Okay? Or do you despise the church of God or put to shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. So then he tells them exactly what it should be that he received from the Lord. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered you, that the Lord Jesus in the night. Now remember that. That is a limiting factor. And I say that and I'll explain it to you in just a minute. In the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is being broken for you. This do in the remembrance of me. And in like manner, he also took the cup after he had supped, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in the remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you solemnly proclaim the death of the Lord till he comes. Now, as often as is a very difficult thing. So, and you can't find this in the English. There is a little Greek word, A-N, pronounced on, alpha nu. And whenever that is in the scriptures and written there, which it is here, on means there are limiting factors involved. It doesn't mean literally anytime you want as often as you want. That is not true. We have number one, the limitation is what? In the night he was betrayed, correct? Okay. Bread and wine in the night. And we know foot washing from John 13. Okay. Now, they were expecting Christ to return even in their lifetimes, as we find in First and Second Thessalonians. Because God had not yet revealed to the apostles how long in the future it would be before Jesus would come. And that wasn't given until the book of Revelation. So all of the apostles except John died 
not knowing when Jesus would return. But every year when they kept the Passover, as often as they did every year, till the Lord come. So it doesn't mean whenever you want to, as often as you want to, and whatever you are doing. Okay. Now, verse 27. For this reason, if anyone shall eat this bread or shall drink this cup unworthily, he shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the wine accordingly. And that's what we are to do. And that's why we have the feast of the Passover first, then of unleavened bread, getting rid of leaven. And only during the time of the feast of unleavened bread is leaven pictured as sin. And God is using that to show us how common and how often that sin is. It's everywhere. And it's easy to get involved in. And you don't even know it. Okay. So, all of these things are part of what the Passover is. Now, let's come here to 1 Corinthians 5, and let's see the reason that we keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, note this, 1 Corinthians 5. The Corinthians were Gentiles. And wherever Paul went, he went first into the synagogue, right? And then there would be a group come out of the synagogue, mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Okay? So, they came out, they knew the law of God, they kept the law of God, and now they are learning how it is expressed in the New Testament. And now we have it better than they did because we have it all written down. So that's a great thing for us that we know. So here, when they had this great sin in their midst where they were how shall we say, gigglingly approving of the man who was having sexual relations with his stepmother. Okay? And they didn't get rid of him. So Paul said, put him out. Because you can't have people living in gross sin and be with the brethren of God. So he tells them, your glorying is not good, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And that's the whole thing of the feast, see? That we see, we can't allow sin. We can't allow deviations from the meaning of the word of God and what we think, and what we believe, and how we practice our life. We are to have the unleavened bread of Christ, the sinlessness of Christ, the mind of Christ, all of that. Okay? 
your glorying is not good. Don't you know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven. You have to get rid of the sins in your life, just like you have to get rid of the leaven out of your home. That you may become a new lump. That shows that salvation is a process. Even as you are unleavened. Oh, they unleavened their homes. But if you don't unleaven your life, what good is it? It's no good. You've got to unleaven your life through the sacrifice of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God. Okay? For Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us to cover our sins, to forgive our sins, to get rid of our sins, to remove them far from us, as far as the east is from the west. Okay? For this reason, let us keep the feast. Not with the old leaven. So he's saying, keep the feast of unleavened bread. Nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now that's what God wants. And that is how we need to live our lives. So this is why we have the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread every year. So we'll be sending out all the material for you so you will have it beginning with everything, the Sabbath before Passover, then Passover, then the night to be much observed, then the first holy day, then the Sabbath during Unleavened Bread, and then the last day of Unleavened Bread. All of that will be available for you online. Those who receive it by mail will receive it by mail. We're in the process of getting that all ready now. So I hope these things help you to understand that there are complicated difficulties to understand concerning the Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread. But we can understand them. And so... Let's look forward to this time that is coming with great anticipation and willingness to come to God and lay aside all of the things that are our problems and difficulties and our sins and put them under the blood of Jesus Christ.